preaching? What is the main Bible passage? What can we learn from this passage? Draw a picture of something you heard today, either in a song or a sermon. What do I want to pray about? In words I heard but don't understand. So parents, use this to have some discussion tonight with your children before they go to bed. Amen? So they'll all get that. Raise your hand if you did not yet get a pen or a piece of paper that you need yet. You know, I mean, adults, feel free. I mean, if you, if you, if you want to jump in on this. Lord knows it might help you pay attention. I don't know. No. Now I need two other children. Children, young adults, two people. Doesn't matter who. They don't need, I need them to go stand outside and clean all the cars. And they don't even know what I'm asking. These are people who like to run. What kind of shoes are you ladies wearing? All right. They, I, they were the first hands I saw go up here and, and Sophia. So come on. All right. Now, we know, is it okay to run in church? <laughs> Did you hear? There was a mixed, mixed reviews on that. If you are worshiping Jesus and the Lord has called you to do so, yes. Children doing flying drop kicks and running and having races, and yes, we don't do that. That's disrespectful to the house of the Lord. We don't run in church. Just want to make that clear. Unless the pastor calls you up and confuses you with an object lesson. Okay. Now, here's what I want to do. Who likes to run fast and who likes to run far? You like fast? All right, come on over here. Do you think that you can run from here to that back door pretty fast? Okay, don't go through the door. It's glass. Okay. Let's see it. Go. All right. Wonderful. Now, here's what I want you to do. I want you to start. Don't hit your head on these pillars. It's kind of dangerous. I want you to just start running around the sanctuary. Good job. Keep going. Yeah. All right. She's just going to run around the sanctuary for the rest of the time I speak. You ever notice how often the New Testament refers to exercise? Has anyone ever seen how often the New Testament refers to exercise? Anyone? Hebrews 12.1 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us.
What are you doing? You quit? You quit? Why did you quit? Because you can't breathe? Did your run take endurance? Sophia, did your run take endurance? It was, it was just a sprint, a quick sprint to the back. She doesn't even look winded. Kiera looks a little winded. But that is because what? Kiera probably ran one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, maybe, maybe like 12 times what she ran. One is endurance running. One is sprinting. Now, in the Bible, it says, let us run with endurance. Endurance is needed to run the, the race of the Christian life. You see, we don't need endurance to run 100 yards. I used to run in high school the 100-yard dash, 100-meter dash. Loved it. You know what? You get in there, you bend down, gun goes. It's just power running, get it done, go fast, and that's it. This other stuff, distance running, that requires training. Eating right, stretching, preparing, looking at the terrain, footwear and support. And you can make the argument sprinting's the same. But right now, I could say, let's go out in the parking lot and I'll race somebody in a sprint. But if somebody says, well, let's run a marathon, well, you know, a marathon, how many, how many miles, how many know how long a marathon is? 26.2 miles. Now, some of you, you're going to understand what that sticker means in the back of people's cars that you've been sitting around. They are extremely proud of themselves for running 26.2 miles, as would I be. That's why there's not one on the back of my truck. Well, to put it in some kind of perspective, because that just sounds like a big number. Worlds of fun. How many have seen it, know where it is, or been there? That's about... Uh, six and a half miles from here. Union Station, how many of you seen it, been there, or know where it is? That is about 17 miles from our church. How many of you have ever been to Top Golf in Overland Park, know where it is, seen it, or been there? Top Golf in Overland Park is 25 miles from this church. So if we left tonight and said, let's just go. Let's just run to Top Golf tonight. We would get to Top Golf and we still have not completed the necessary mileage for a marathon. Not to mention, most of us would either quit or like need an ambulance on the side of the road by the time we got to 152, right? See, you see, there's serious preparation to running something with endurance. Scripture says, run the race with endurance. In order to run the race with endurance, and do it, in order to do it with the, for the long haul, it's certainly going to take endurance to finish. We have to plan for that. And you know, the finish line is much more important than the starting line. And so tonight, a little while, I want to talk on this topic. To go the distance, we must first endure. To go the distance, we must first endure. Jesus, thank you so much for everybody who's here tonight, tuning in online, maybe watching later. God, just speak to our hearts, our minds about what you want to show us tonight. 
Jesus, that your hand would just be here and upon us. And Lord, that we would be the people you are calling us to be. In Jesus' name, amen. You see, you ever notice that when the Olympics start, the 100, 200 meter dash, there's so much emphasis on the start of the race. People are good. And, you know, they, they, they fall start. And, they, and if you get two of those, then you're disqualified. And, and they go on the blocks and they get their, foot, their feet all set because the start is so crucial. You have to get a good jump. You have to get a powerful jump. And, but when you look at a marathon, there are no starting blocks. It's just a massive group of people that are, start, that are standing at this line just waiting waiting and then you start off running and everybody's together but over time that group kind of kind of disperses and you find who are the contenders you find who are the pretenders and so as a Christian as a man of God a husband trying to lead my family I want to make sure I finish well I know that whatever you do in your individual lot or calling in life I know you feel the same way that you want to finish well Scripturally, we see a command to run with endurance. Well, how do I do that? We find some guidance in Paul's first letter to Timothy, and he says in 1 Timothy 4, 7, and 8, he says, do not waste time arguing over godless ideas or old wives' tales. Instead, train yourself to be godly. So, the minute I get the Holy Ghost, yes, I am filled with God's Spirit. But guess what? I still have to do some training of self. The Holy Ghost just doesn't do everything for you. Like, yeah, I'm filled with the Holy Ghost. I'm done. No, I do nothing else. It takes over. No. Train yourself to be godly. Physical training is good. People that say, see, the Bible says exercise isn't even necessary. No, it, doesn't, it doesn't say that. It just says physical training is good. But training for godliness is much better. Promising benefits in this life and in the life to come. Physical training, that's just this life. Spiritual training is this life and the life to come. Just like running here, from, from here to top golf, that would require all kinds of training. It also requires training in order to make it from where we are now to the finish line when Christ calls us home. If, you, if we want to endure then we must train. If we think that because we are filled with the Holy Ghost and we show up on Sundays, we should just be good. That would be like me saying, hey, I ate a protein shake and worked out two days last week, so I should be set for my marathon in, the, in another week or two. How would that work out? Not well. I have been on vacation, so I should not even be speaking any message about exercising. It's weird. My clothes have gotten smaller after my vacation. I don't know if my wife threw them in the dryer. I visited gyms on the first part of my trip in Northern California, but then there were no gyms that I work out in through the middle part. And then by the time we got to Disney, I had good intentions of going in Anaheim. It was like 102 degrees, and my kids were sick, and I didn't feel good. So then I just didn't go. Then I came back, and I still didn't feel good. So I haven't worked out in like three and a half weeks. Like, I shouldn't probably be talking about this, but... But I am concerned, like many of you, about staying in shape. After all, the Bible says our bodies are the temple of the Holy Ghost. So I read once that there are two schools of thought when it comes to exercise, but I think there's three. Number one, those who exercise. Number two, those who feel guilty when they don't. And number three, those who just don't care. 
But Dr. Kenneth Cooper, founder of the Aerobics Institute, he knows what it means to be in shape. Look what he says, and I quote, muscular fitness is of some value, but it is too limited. It concentrates only on one system of the body, one of the least important ones, and it has limited beneficial effect on the essential organs or overall health. That's why I gave up bodybuilding at a young age. It's like putting a lovely new coat of paint on an automobile that really needs an engine overall. Endurance fitness, he says, should be your goal. It will ensure all benefits of the training effect, improving not only just your muscles, but your lungs, your heart, your blood vessels. It's the foundation on which all forms of fitness should be built. Cooper says the key to endurance training is oxygen consumption. The body needs oxygen to produce energy. Jogging for five minutes will have little effect on our hearts and legs. Sophia took a run to the back and came back. She, that had next to no physical impact on her body at all. Kiera, maybe a little bit more because she ran until she was winded. If she would have continued throughout my message, I thought she was going to last a little longer than that. If she would have continued, there would have been no doubt tomorrow she probably woke, would have woke, woke up and maybe even the muscles would have been a little bit tight. You would have felt that something took place in my body yesterday that I'm feeling the effects of it today. And so jogging for five minutes, it doesn't really do much. Getting in a car and driving for three miles has zero effect on physical health. But if we do 30 to 45 minutes, there's a positive effect on heart and lungs. This is why it's great to run, swim, play full court basketball, racquetball for a couple of hours. You think you're in shape? Try racquetball. But how do we do these things spiritually? The Bible says, run the race, endure. It talks about enduring to the end. How do we get ourselves ready to make it to the finish line? To not do, and I'm, I guess this is good. I'd use my daughter because I can say these things. But to not do what she said. She said, hey, I can't breathe. I quit. That's what she said. What happens is in the walk with God, somebody comes, repents, starts the race, baptized in Jesus' name, filled with the Spirit, and too often the running starts, and at some point, someone says, I quit. I can't breathe. I'm done. I'm out of here. And that's why we need disciple makers, people that say, no, 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 hang on, hold up. And we've seen those, those heartwarming Olympic stories when somebody falls and they can't go on. Or at the end of a marathon, their legs are just giving out and their brain is saying, I got across, but the body's giving out. And somebody stops and lets someone else pass them because they go back and they pick somebody up. And everybody's crying watching this beautiful act of humanity take place as they carry them around the finish line, across the finish line. Oh, that's beautiful. Well, that needs to happen in the church, too. Because people get tired and off course and fatigued and can't breathe. And that's where we need to come alongside and say, hey, don't give up. Don't stop. I know it's a tough part of the race. I know that you're fatigued. I'm not saying it's easy. But don't quit. So how do we do it spiritually? Well, if we, if we are going to run with endurance and train ourselves for godliness, what exercises do we do? I believe I have a simple answer. And you learned it if you were in church your life, until you were, since you were a kid. You learned it way back when. You said, kind of like when we go to the doctor. The doctor says, oh, 
In order to reach peak health, you must exercise and eat right. Has anyone ever heard a medical official say it's important to exercise and eat right? Right? It is so simple. That's it. Just exercise and eat right. That is it. Why is that so hard for me and for many of us? Because there are chocolate milk. And there's Hostess cupcakes. And there's Ghirardelli chocolates. And there's so many things. Cheesecake. And because physically, I'm not willing to lay aside the weights. No pun intended. Because you know what? That just looks really good. Is that not what happens spiritually? Cheesecake. I'm off course. Why? Because that sin just looks really, really good. So I'm willing to stop the race. I'm willing to move aside. And in many cases, I'm even willing to quit. Because why? Because I've stopped and started so much, I don't even know if I belong in this race anymore. And so what happens is we get consumed with the temporary along the way and forget that somewhere out there, there's a finish line. And that's why I respect even more the distance runners than I do the sprinters. Because sprinting, on your mark, and you're looking at the finish line. A marathon runner, it's not so much about the start. You could just be like, I don't feel like running in the group. I'm going to wait back here. I can't see the finish line. It's 26.2 miles away. But you know what? I made a decision. And when I started this race, when I started training, I have trained so hard, so long, I refuse to quit now. Because I have a vision of what that finish line is going to look like. I might not be able to see it, but I tell you what, I have a vision of coming across the finish line to a Savior that is smiling and embraces me and says, well done. You have run an amazing race. You have endured to the end. And so for me, when I feel like quitting, I get my mind back on what I envisioned the finish line to be. And so... In order to make it to the end, we have to go back to what? Some of the tools that prepared us. And you were taught it in Sunday school. Exercise and eat right. That's simple. Read your Bible. Pray every day. And you grow. It says Maddie, but not Maddie Pinter. That's some other Maddie. And you grow, grow, grow. Read your Bible. Pray every day. And you'll grow. Peak health performance spiritually. Oh, that's simple. Why do we struggle so bad? Well, maybe it's because we're not laying aside the weights and the sins. Prayer is to the soul what exercise is to the body. 
A spiritual self-starter is a person who's in great spiritual shape. This means that this person consistently eats the nutritious diet of the scriptures daily. They consistently spend time in aerobic kneeling. I'm not talking about squats and lunges. I'm talking about prayer. A marathon runner not only trains efficiently, but that person eats efficiently. See, I might be able to do the training. Eating, I know I can't do it. Both enable the runner to have physical endurance. The same is true in the Christian life. These are often two mistakes we can make in our desire to be spiritual self-starters. We emphasize scripture and Bible reading, but forget prayer. Or we emphasize prayer and skip the Bible reading. Prayer and scripture go hand in hand, and we're most effective when these things are in balance with these two crucial things. The person who studies the Bible without praying develops a good mind but a cold heart. The person who prays all the time and never gets in the word has an open heart but is lacking in knowledge. So what do I want to do? I want to be praying. I want to be studying and getting myself into the word so that my heart is right and so is my mind. Why? Because if I'm going to endure, my heart is crucial to this race, and so is my mind. If you're going to run a 26.2-mile marathon, you better believe that your mind is just as important as your heart in that race. Because there are going to be times that you feel like giving up. This is too long. I can't run the top golf. That's too far. But you know what? If you started training today, by next year at this time, for sure, you would be able to run to top golf. It's just that sometimes we say, it's just not worth it. Some of us are going, yeah, right, you don't know me. Others are like, yeah, I probably could. But we all know you're never going to, I'm never, we're not going to ever do that. Because it's not a priority. So, spiritually, hey, you can accomplish great things. You can do magnificent, marvelous, miraculous things. But it comes with having the right heart, the right mind. And that only happens by prayer and the word. Paul explains this balance in his command of the Ephesian church. Ephesians six seventeen, he says, put on salvation as your helmet. Take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. He's emphasizing both things. Stay in the Word. Carry the Word. Pray in the Spirit. Why? Because in order to make it to the end, there has to be prayer and there has to be the Word. So we know the Bible calls us to pray, but how often, how long should we be praying in order to stay in peak spiritual shape? The Bible's actually surprisingly silent about the amount of time that we should spend in prayer. Kind of like, you know, if you want to have a good marriage, how long do you have to talk to your wife? How long do you have to talk to your husband? I mean, I don't hear people have these conversations, you know? Like Jim and Teresa, they go on their date night on Friday. Teresa does not say, well, how, I mean, how much do I have to talk to him on Friday? If she does, I, I'm not aware of it. And maybe they've figured out that they've been married a while, so maybe they've figured out the answer. Actually, it's 13 and a half minutes. That's it. It works, works perfect. Or in my wife's case, she says, how long do I have to listen? It emphasizes, though, what we see, but, but, but you say, the scripture doesn't say that. And you say, well, yeah, it does, First Thessalonians. It says, pray without ceasing. 
Yeah, right there. In this passage, Paul's describing an attitude, an outlook, a lifestyle. Paul did not expect anybody. It was not a literal word where he said, stop working. Don't talk to anyone else ever again. And you're supposed to just pray all the time and never stop. In a piece of closing and final advice to the Thessalonian church, Thessalonian church, Paul was listing on a number of things to remember. Hey, as you walk with God, as you move forward in your future, he says, you know, boom, 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 boom. And he just starts giving this list of commendations, of, 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 of things to do. So there's really no passage in the New Testament that says, hey, if you want to get close to God, spend X amount of hours and you will reach this level of power. There's no prescription about the time requirements. Guess what that means? It means I may have to figure it out for myself. So how much do you have to exercise to be healthy? Well, that's going to be a little bit dependent on where are you working out? What does the conditions look like? How often have you worked out in the past? If you've never, ever, ever worked out in the last 16 years of your life, we're probably not going to say, well, yeah, go for an hour run. So how often do I, do I have to do 30 minutes, do I have to do 45 minutes? It depends on your weight, your strength, your, your abilities, uh, the, the, the terrain. All of these things are factored in. Our bodies are different. Our, our person, so one person might take longer to get in shape than another. Another person has longer legs or different builds. Running shoes are specialized for, running shoes are specialized for people. There's like, I think it's like pronation, underpronation if you run like, if you, you know, some people have legs like this, others legs like this. They, I mean, they make support in different areas. It's, it's, it's amazing. But all these things don't mean say, well, we're all different, so I'm just going to pop open this bag of potato chips again. Because I don't know what type of person I am. You're the type of person that needs to get out and move. Your body was made to move just like mine was. But like all that, we all need prayer. Every person needs prayer. No matter how long you walked with God, what your situation is, what your history is, we all need prayer. We all need the personal lifeline, the connection to our Lord and Savior on a daily basis. Prayer helps us endure to the end, but are we praying to prepare? Is your, is your prayer life preparing you for a 100-meter dash or a 26.2-mile marathon? Because it's, I think that's a problem in, in humanity right now, is we want 26.2-mile power and endurance on 100-meter prayers. And so, what is my prayer life? I want to live like Jesus is coming back tomorrow, the 100-meter dash, but I want to prepare like it won't happen in my lifetime, 26.2-mile marathon. Jesus, I want to live like you're coming back tomorrow, but I want to train like I'm enduring to the end. A while back, I preached a message about start pouring, and in that message, I talked about one of the greatest struggles in humanity sometimes is getting started with something. Good intentions never build endurance for marathon runners or athletes. If we want to endure until the end, to reach our goal, to receive a crown of glory, then we have to train as though we're looking to finish. And in order to do this, we have to start somewhere. If you were motivated by this message and I said, and you say, you know what? Man, I'll tell you what, tomorrow morning I'm running to Overland Park to go to Top Golf. You, you ain't gonna make it. I'm looking at 
our audience, and I, re- I know I've played basketball with some of you and ran with some of you, and, but to my knowledge, there is not a soul in this building that could make it to Overland Park tomorrow on a run. 26.2, some of the guys are like, oh, he's tempting me right now. <laughs> Tim's over there thinking, do I have enough days off? If you decided you're going to do that, you're not going to make it. But in order to run, we first have to walk. In order to run two miles, guess what? You have to first run one. My daddy always taught me, and lesson one, you know what your, your goal, as you teach your first Bible study, you know what the goal of lesson one is? We sometimes get discouraged. You're like, man, I want someone to get baptized. I want someone to understand who Jesus is and be filled with the Spirit. And we teach them about Adam and Eve, and they're like, oh, man, they didn't really, they didn't really get excited. They didn't, weren't really into it. It's lesson one. Your goal in lesson one is this, to get them to come back to lesson two. That's it. That's it. Our dreams are often lofty, but our preparation is sometimes too minuscule. What exactly do you want God to do and accomplish in your life? Think about that. Let's just stop for a minute. What do you want God to do and accomplish in your life? Don't lose that dream. Think about it. What do you want him doing? What do you want him doing in your family, in your ministry? What do you see yourself doing? When you say, God, I don't know if I'm going to, but man, I'll tell you, I'd love to do this. I'd love to go there. I'd love to be this. I'd love to work in this area. I feel called to this. That's what I want, Lord. Just keep that dream in your mind. And now ask yourselves, how are you training to receive that or to get there? You want that. That's what your vision is. That's what you feel God calling you to do. Those are the people you want to impact. Those are the lives you want to touch. What are you doing right now that is preparing you for that journey? If something of the utmost important to us, if something is of the utmost, we, we find a way to make it happen. That's why the same people who just say, well, I, I can't make a midweek service. I can't go to a prayer meeting. I can't be on time to Sunday morning service. I can't go to a small group. They're the same ones that are flying regularly without ever missing the gate. They get to their gate every time. They have season tickets to their favorite sports team, and they never miss a game. They're always early. Somehow they make it to work on time. They hold a job. Or maybe they don't even miss trick-or-treating the night after a service. What am I saying? Because values, our actions will always express our values. I think I have a slide in there. What are values? Internal priorities that express themselves consistently in concrete actions. What do you value? Internal priorities that express themselves consistently in concrete actions. I haven't worked out in 17 years. It's because you don't value working out. I haven't prayed in 17 years. It's because you don't value praying. Right? I mean, isn't that, it's, 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 it's really that basic. So if we're praying, it's because we value our time with Jesus. In the end, it's that simple message. A hard part, it, it, the, the first part of Hebrews says, lay aside weights and sins. Well, in order to get to where I want to go, I got to do that. 
But there are certain things that say, yeah, that, I'll give up this, I'll give up this, but not this one. I'll train for my marathon, but you know what? I love chocolate milk, and I'm not giving up chocolate milk. There's just certain things that are non-negotiable, right? I said something on Sunday I want to revisit. Many Christians complain about the condition of our world, but if there's so many Christians in the United States, why are we not having more of an effect on our world? If we really believe we are filled with what I talked about Sunday, the Spirit of God, the same Spirit who has raised Christ from the dead, is now inside of us. Why are we not affecting our world more? We can't treat our faith like a Google Drive account where we just file folders away. The, the religion folder goes between relatives and running. Well, that, that folder, that's what I do. That's what I do on Sundays and Wednesdays. And sometimes there's special events, and I also go to a small group. But these are folders that I compartmentalize my life. What we're talking about tonight is not just another thing fighting for our attention. I'm not talking about a church work day. I'm talking about a daily interaction with the Lord and Savior of our life and world, who is our best friend, who loves us more than anyone or anything, and we are called to do the same. It's our entire life. And more than this present life, it's eternity. It's about going the distance, reaching the finish line, enduring to the end, not giving up. And maybe I'm talking to someone who's here or watching online that, you know what? This whole, oh, man, this church thing and walking with God. Nah, I've been through this and that. And honestly, along this run, I have gotten tired. I'm just, I'm sick and tired, okay? I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. And I don't want to run anymore. And I just want to quit some days. Don't quit. Don't give up. Don't stop. Don't, don't throw in the towel. Don't do that. You started this race, and there's a reason why you did, because you saw something in it, and it touched your heart, and it impacted your mind, and you said, I want to repent. I want to do about face. I want to change the way I'm living and the, do, go on a different course than the one I've been running. And I started down this course, and, and there's a reason why you did don't give up. Don't stop. Because we're never going to get there. Spiritual disciplines. That's the reason it's called spiritual disciplines. Because it takes discipline to finish the race. Spiritually and physically. It takes discipline to make it to the end. Anybody can start a race. Anybody can start a race. But who finishes? Who finishes? We must come before Jesus to ask wisdom. Lord, help me. Daily decisions at school, work, home. Help my marriage. Help us to be closer together. I'm, a, I'm afraid to think about how often we don't pray for our marriages. If there is one way that the enemy can absolutely sabotage and destroy human lives, just one full swoop, is to just break down the marriage. I mean, you look, you look at somebody like, and I take that, I take the responsibility seriously. If, if the devil could come in and just knock out 
me and my wife's marriage, that, that impacts my children, my extended family, the church I'm called to serve. Same with you. The enemy wants nothing more than to drive a wedge between you, your spouse, your children. That's why, that's why we're praying, God, touch my kids. This world does not value the same things that we value. God, touch the brains and the minds and the hearts of my children. Help my kids not to just drag along in this race that we're running, this marathon of endurance, but help them to learn to run right alongside me so that we're in this journey together. And when, I'm tired, when they're tired, we say, hey, keep going, bud. We can go. We're going to make it to the end. Just remember what the finish line looks like. And remember that in time of stress and hardship, we can quote Psalm 34, 7. and says, for the angel of the Lord is a guard. He surrounds and defeats all who fear him. That we can read scripture and when we get tired, we can say, hey, the angel of the Lord's a guard. He surrounds me. I know the angel surrounds me. God surrounds me. God is with me. I'm not alone. And scripture puts things in our minds that when we feel like stopping the race and giving up, we can cling to a promise that God says, I'm not leaving you. I'm with you. We're running in this together. I need time with the Lord each and every day where I pray and read the word. And remember, hey, the battle's not mine. It's his. The battle's not mine. It's his. Because it's in prayer and the word where endurance is built. It's in prayer and the word where I, my heart is touched. And I can say, I can keep going. I can hear. Oh, I'm reminded why I'm going. Why I keep going. Not only make it through that particular day, but to make it all the way to the finish line. To be able to look back like Paul did at the end of his life when he said, I have fought the good fight. I finished the race. I have remained faithful. We're so afraid of death sometimes. Listen, that is, the, that is, that is it. That's the finish line of this present life. I pray, yeah, I hope that somebody says some nice things about me when I'm at my funeral, but ultimately, I hope it's a celebration. Hey, he has finished. I hope that I would be able to say on my deathbed, ah, I have fought the good fight. I've finished the race, and now the prize awaits me, the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on the day of his return, and the prize is not just for me, but anyone who eagerly looks forward to his coming. Why? That's a person who ran a race with their eye on the finish line. I want to run this thing knowing what the finish line looks like. The reason many people feel no energy, no power, the reason they feel defeated, overwhelmed in life, the reason they're caving into temptation is because they have nothing to fight with. We laced up our running shoes and started running toward Top Golf in Overland Park, Kansas. And we never made proper preparation on how to endure a run like that. If you want to make it to the finish line, if you're running a marathon and it's endurance-based training, two five-minute prayers a week isn't going to do it. Whether you realize it or not, you are a Christian running a race right now. Every person watching online, you're here. We're running a race. We're in this. You started it when you came to Jesus, and there's a finish line awaiting those who endure to the end. But what are you doing to train and prepare? If five minutes a day of jogging isn't going to do it for me, 
physically, it's probably not going to do it spiritually. So where do we start? One of the things you need to do is plan as I bring this around. The average time of running a marathon. And this is for athletes who have trained. Anybody have a guess on how long, what's the average time it takes an athlete to run 26.2 miles? Who said four hours? Solid. Four hours, 22 minutes for men, four hours, 47 minutes for women. That's with a 10 to 11 minute mile pace. You say 10 to 11 minute mile, I can do that. I bet you I could get under 10 miles easy in one mile. 26.2? You don't get ready for this without planning. Everyone says, I wanted to run, but I was just busy doing other things. Those are not the people that are getting interviewed at the end of the marathon. New York Marathon. Hey, you just finished the marathon. How did you do it? I, uh, I just never felt like training or running, man. I ate cupcakes and drank chocolate milk, but here I am. Those are not the people that get interviewed at the finish line of a marathon. It's only the people who place this race at the top of their list who say, hey, I am laying aside everything else because this is the priority of my life. I know what it takes. I'm going to do what it takes. I'm going to have spiritual discipline, physical discipline. I'm going to make it to the finish line. I'm not going to let anything deter me. If you don't know where you're going, you're probably going to end up somewhere else. Every year, thousands and thousands of people go to a Super Bowl for the NFL. Do they just wake up some Saturday morning? I just looked, that's the Super Bowl trophy. I just grabbed some random, I just grabbed some random helmet and threw it up there. But <sighs> people fight for that trophy, and that's one of the teams that plays in the NFL. Do they just wake up on a Saturday morning and say, you know, hey, honey, I was just reading Super Bowls tomorrow in Florida or in Nashville or Dallas. You know what? Throw the kids in the car. We're going to the Super Bowl tomorrow. Yeah, right. And people are talking about going to the Super Bowl. People already got tickets for that. They're, they're planning that. They're planning vacations around that, paying like thousands of dollars for one seat. It requires planning that begins months in advance for them. Just like I planned our family's vacation. I was planning that forever. When you get your paycheck, you don't just go to the bank and go, hey, I'm here to cash this, grab a wad of money, and be like, so, where should we go? If you do that, my Lord, please see me tonight before you leave this place and let me and my wife save your life and we'll help you with a budget. We don't do that. We don't just say, I like graham crackers. I'm going to wash my truck. I'm going to, you know what, let's just go bowling. And, and people don't just do this. Like, there's a plan for your money. Hey, mortgage is this much. Car payment, if you got that, this much or whatever. Whatever it is that I'm saving this money, I got to pay these things with this money because there's a plan. We plan everything in our lives that we value. Why don't we plan to pray then? 
If I said, don't raise your hand, but if I said, who here intends to pray at some point tomorrow? There is no doubt in my mind every hand would go up. There's no doubt in my mind that people would say, oh, yeah, yeah, I absolutely intend to pray. Where are you praying? When are you praying? What does that prayer time look like? Where does it take, where does it take place? If we don't have that plan, then all it is, it's an intention. It's, a, it's just, a, oh, yeah, you know. It's like us saying, hey, you know what? I'm telling you what. We could get excited. I go, we're going to grow to 500 people by next year. God's going to do it. God's powerful. And we can all, like, bang the musician or the, uh, the instruments and scream and shout and have a wonderful time and open up the altars. But at the end of the day, you leave and go, okay, so that was awesome. That's cool. That's the vision. But how are we going to get to that vision? What is that going to look like? One day I'm going to run a marathon, 26.2 miles. Awesome. What are you doing for exercise? Well, I don't really exercise, but are you changing your diet? No, man. You ain't going to run a marathon. Oh, I intend to pray tomorrow. I intend to be in the presence of God. For how long? I don't know. I'm kind of going to see how the day goes. Well, where do you pray? Well, sometimes in my car, sometimes in the morning, I'll try and do it in my house. Sometimes I, I do it once in a while before bed, and I'll... So you plan for all the things that matter. But prayer is just an intention. Where do you read your Bible? How long do you read? Well, how many chapters a day do you read? What? Well, I usually try. I usually, I guess sometimes I oversleep and I'm on the phone or I'm on this or I'm on the social media. And, and so, but if I get to bed at time, I try to get to. Do we run our finances that way? Do we run our job that way? My job says I have to clock in at 9. So sometimes I try to, you know, get there by 8.45. Once in a while it's 9.15. You ain't going to work very long. But what we value, we plan for. That's why many people don't pray. It's simply they don't plan to pray. Sometimes there is even a desire to pray, good intentions to pray. They want to spend time with God, but there's actually never a plan on when, how, and where that's going to take place. So as I close, I give you something practical. I offer these tips. Number one, plan a time. A good rule of thumb, in my opinion, is to begin your day meeting with the Lord. I really don't want to pray at night and be like, God, Lord, Please touch all the things that I already did. And thank you for letting those things happen. And help the things tomorrow that are going to happen. Like, I want to start my day. All right, God. I'm getting ready to go through this day. And I'm not here to say, please bless all my plans. I'm here to say, God, let me be spirit-led according to your plans. Not everyone's schedule allows for this. But if it's possible, meet before, with the Lord before anything else. To plan a place. We're constantly running from place to place when we have appointments or specific uh, places. We, we make sure we put it on our calendar. We write it down. The same is true with prayer. Do you meet at the church, in your office, bedroom, living room, when and where? Just make sure it's not a place that you can be disturbed. You have young children? There's, always, there's no place you can't be disturbed. You might have to pretend you're going to the bathroom to get prayer time, okay? But do what it takes. Three, make a list or use a prayer clock. I love the prayer clock. I'm a structured person. My wife feels like the prayer clock just ties her down. She hates it. So you have to find what works for you. 
prayer clocks will divide the time that what you spend in prayer, and it gives structure. Make a list. Make a list beforehand of what you want to be praying for. Make sure you mix in praise and worship and reading and Bible, whatever that is, not just I want them to bless my job, my house, my money, my car. And some prayers, not just me, 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 give me, give me, give me. I want this. Maybe make a list. Your mind will wander. What do you do at that point? Simply, Lord, I'm sorry. My mind just went to that place. God, I want to come back to what I was just talking about. I'm so sorry, God. It's that, it's that easy. He longs for fellowship with people that he already knows are weak. Isn't that amazing? He literally longs for fellowship and relationship with people he already knows your weakness. But he still wants to commune. That's amazing. Make yourself accountable to someone. If you say, man, I've never really been good at prayer. Well, then have somebody that you text. Hey. I knew you're really trying to get your prayer life dialed in. How'd your prayer time go yesterday? Don't ask that person into your life and then say none of your business with it. You know what I mean? There's accountability. There's power in accountability. And lastly, remember, you are talking to your best friend. To someone who loves you more than anyone else loves you. Prayer should not just be a discipline. It takes discipline. Discipline is crucial to anything worthwhile. Spiritual disciplines are vital to our walk with God. But if all our, we're ever doing is, oh, that's right, I was supposed to pray today. Oh, my goodness, that's right. And pastor preached that message. Now I feel all bad. I went a day without praying. I, I got to find time somehow to talk to him. That's not prayer. Just remember the perspective is, I have been invited into the presence of the creator of the entire universe who looked through the the sands of time and saw my life and said, I love him or her so much. I'm going to take on flesh. I'm going to pay all the price for those mistakes. I'm going to die on the cross because I long to be in relationship with that people, with that person. I created the universe. I made people because I wanted to walk with them in the garden. And I wanted to tabernacle with them. And then I wanted to walk among them, fill them with my spirit. Eventually, I'm preparing a place so that where I am there, they can be also. I've always wanted this relationship, this communion with my people. In the meantime, though, I desire for for you to talk to me every day, to include me in on every part of your life, to not turn to other people when you're hurt or broken all the time, but turn to me because I care. I want to listen. I, I want to know know you more. I want you to know me more. I want to hear your voice. I created your voice. I, I'm the one that said, make your requests known to me. Although I already know them, there's power in your voice. And so as we begin to pray, we can say, it's not just about a, a discipline or I need to do this. It's about the fact that I am entering in. Okay, guys, I can't talk right now. Oh, uh, when are you going to text me? I'll text you later. I'll tell you that, that, that that's one of the things that I probably did right with my wife. She said that she liked that. That when we first met, I wouldn't go anywhere with her or talk to her on the phone or go out and, and see anything in the city until I first got in the prayer room at the church. And it's because I wanted to establish something early. In our relationship, I'm not saying this to pat myself on the back, but it's something early in the relationship that said, even though I am incredibly attracted to you, and I still am, 
although I want to have a relationship with you, I want to get to know you, I cannot start this by putting you above my Savior and my Creator because He's the one that got me to this place, and I want to make sure that I prioritize Him above anyone or anything else, and that has to still be that way, and I hope she still sees that. I hope my kids see that because I want to be in the presence of my King, my Savior, my Lord, my best friend, and so as you begin to do these things, it's not just a discipline. It's about saying, I want to date with the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and I'm going to make sure that I have a plan to get that tomorrow. I will not go into my day tomorrow without spending time with Jesus Christ, without allowing him to hear my voice and me listening to see if he impresses something in my heart. I want to condition myself as you stand to your feet. I want to condition myself for the long haul. I'm not looking to run a sprint. You know what? I'm not just going to run a sprint to the back door and come back and sit down. I am in this for the long haul. I want to make it to the end. There's a finish line out there somewhere. And I'm training for that finish line. I'm racing. I'm running. But it's not just about being swift or speedy. It's about being consistent. It's about being consistent. It's about not giving up. It's about continuing when I feel like quitting. Because why? Because even when I'm tired, scared, fatigued, can't breathe very much, I can close my eyes and say, but I remember why I started running this race. I remember what it felt like to repent of my sins, have my sins washed away in the waters of baptism. When I began to speak in tongues for the first time, oh God, I want to make it. God, I don't want to give up. I want to get to the finish line. Jesus, help me to endure. And so I invite you tonight to find a place to do just that, to begin to talk to your Lord, your Savior, your King, your best friend. Let Him hear your voice. Let Him hear your voice as you begin to cry out to Him and say, Jesus, help me to keep going. Jesus, help me to get stronger. Jesus, help me to get things in my life that are going to train me where I can endure, where I, even when I'm fatigued, I can keep my legs running in this Christian race. I'm not going to stop. I'm not going to give up. I might get tired. I might get wore out a little bit, but I refuse to quit. And I'm going to look for other people that might want to quit. And I'm going to pull them along with me because we're in this journey together. I hear a voice. It's the voice, the one I love. He's calling my name. And he's saying, come up high. 